Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 31-year Wall Street veterans who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks we screen for each week here in the shop. Uh, You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air. So we've disguised our voices, and they'll never know. This week, it's August 4th, 2012. We run a little, uh, again, we did a, a push-button screen uh, on the DuPont formula, uh, and so the screen took the best return on assets, best return on equity in each sector, and uh, they had to pass both of those screens in order to get on our show this week. But before we get to that, a couple of important caveats. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only. It's not a guarantee. Secondly, Mo and I are professional portfolio managers and analysts during the week, but uh, here it's after hours. We're just relaxing with a couple of adult beverages, and we may not have done all the uh, required uh, due diligence necessary to really know what we're talking about here on the show. We're just looking through a few stock ideas. Spitballing. Yeah. Thank you. Spitballing. And then uh, third, our lawyers say to remind you that uh, we may not have your best interests in mind, so please do your own work or talk to somebody who knows more than we do. And finally, fourth, um, we have been drinking this week. So, um, and that may be good in this environment. Who knows? See all our disclosures, caveats, photos, uh, links to past shows, links to every show we've done with links to the price charts and news, etc., at www thevalueguys.com. So, uh, here we are, Mo, another week. I think uh, we're going to do a a, a segment now, I think, called uh, Value Guys Wall Street News with momentum. We can do that, but... uh, You want to skip that? Uh, No, no, we can do that, but uh, I did want to make a comment about the the screen we ran. Ah, okay. There were 16 industries that we looked at using... This criteria, ROA, ROE, top 20%. So 16 industries. 23 cities. They had an average of, uh, each industry had an average of between two companies to five companies, which made the cut in all of those it's industries. It's a tough screen. It's a tough screen. Except, no question. Except health technology. Every so, you know, Producer manufacturing, elect- electro technology only had two companies that made that screen, Apple and Seagate. Consumer durables only had one company in their Mattel. But health technology had 20 names Baxter, hmm. St. Jude, Medical. Yeah, I saw they that. They were so overweighted in that group. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I skipped that group. I noticed that. <laughs> You might, and I'm not, and I didn't realize there were that many. But you'd say, "Well, why do you do that?" I think what the market's saying, and I guess also what I'm saying by skipping the group, is that they look, uh, they have had a great history, and in part that's because uh, the the you know the the supply and demand of their products has favored them. They've got people who need the products at any cost. That's the system that we've evolved in healthcare, and that's worth a whole show to talk about the dislocations that creates. But as a result, these companies have had uh, tremendous profits, and some people look at profit as a markup, the way we talk about it sometimes on the show, markup on cost. And in the environment that's coming, 
I think people feel that perhaps uh, near-term pricing may be under pressure as we have a more government-led, uh, you know, s sort of demand side, and uh, and so maybe the profit margins are coming down. That's that's all I can. That's what my instinct says. That's why I didn't look there, and I think that's why, you know, there's so many of them in the screen. Well, they uh, they, they certainly stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Mo? <clears throat> well. I don't. That's why I asked you. Well, I don't know. Okay. I just, uh, it, it was sort of an anomaly worth checking out. Well, um, so the next few shows, we are going to be, this is for you, listener, we are going to be building on this show our own proprietary equity evaluation formula. We are? We, Did I not get that memo? Before? We are going to join a long list of great financial collaborators who've made financial history. Think Black Shoals. Right. Yep. And we're going to call this formula the Valmentum Ratio. Valmentum? Ratio. But we might need to work on the name, don't you think? I, well, what about we Hughes-Mentum or Mentum-Hughes? We, I, I mean, we need I, to get a name. We need a name. And each I week, mean, I don't know And each week we're going we're gonna to walk through the, the creation of this. We are. Okay. This new ratio. This could be one of the futures standard reference tools. I mean, that's a, certainly a worthy goal to shoot for. So now, imagine, what, imagine, you, imagine if you could be a fly on the wall when yeah. Markowitz was, you know... You'd have to was, imagine pretty hard. ...was thinking about... Yeah. The, look at all the great collaborative effort. The Merrill, efficient frontier and all Merrill that. and Lynch. Yeah. One, if, at one if, point, they didn't know each other, right? What if you could be in one of the very first meetings between those two? Now the listeners get to be in on the first day of collaboration between two... Future financial greats. Future giants. Future right. giants. And so, what, wow. what? Well, you know, when you talk about it that way, it's exciting. I want to stay tuned. Well, next show, I'm going to come and ask you what, what you would use on the value side of the ratio. Yeah. And then I will come up with a, some algorithms for the momentum side. Then we have to figure out how we glue it together. Well, you know, there's this old experiment that you could do where what we need to do, and it's not hard for us during the after hours portion of our show, to imagine being in the future, looking at the ratio and using it, and Correct. figuring out what it's doing, and then and back work backwards, it to work today. backwards from there, right? Yeah. And so uh, I'm excited to explore these, you know, uncharted uh, waters. So though. stay, stay tuned because that's we're gonna, uh, let me what we're going to start doing next week. Are you week? planning? Are you seriously planning? Because I'm a little sleepy right now, listener. I'm sorry. We're we're doing the show at off hours. I'm just waking. I'm groggy. It's unusual to be drinking this time of day, but, of course, we do it for the show. Yes. And Mo is throwing all this academic stuff at me. I mean, I, we're, we're ready. I'm ready for that challenge, but let me understand you. Are you saying, Mo, that we are going to take elements from not just one financial statement, not just two, not three, but we might even go to... Four financial statements in terms of the uh, the metrics that we use. They could. This will be a quadro. Uh, no, well, actually, dynamic uh, algorithm. In effect. Um, actually, even more so because more so. it's going to be uh, three dimensional. Why algorithm. stop at three? Right. Let's well, have one dimension a... for each year we've been in the business. Well, then we could. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I, I can't so we have wait a lot. We have a lot of. Uh, we have a lot All of right. strategizing to do. Um, I'm sorry, did you, by the way, did you have any uh, stories from the 1% this week? I forgot to check in. You know, with the, with the stuff you do, I'm sure you had a run-in. Do you have 
No, no, no. Nothing. We're still we're still we're still collecting uh, stories for I our see. forthcoming book inside the one percent. You probably dipped into the two or three percent this last week and just don't embarrassed to say so. Probably. Yeah, we we know. haven't we haven't come up with uh, we haven't come up with any new insights from uh, inside the one percent. But stay tuned because we're. Uh, are, are, we are your We're doing inside, our research on that. We are your inside ears and eyes right. to the group. Because I'm excited to read about all that, what those people do uh, over there. Um, any Wall Street news? Value guys, Wall Street news this week? No, uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna jump into jump the in. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, look, we have uh, basically three ideas this week, but one of them I can't decide between two stocks. I guess, and so. Uh, I threw them both out to talk about. But these all pass this DuPont screen. So these are in the top 20% for their industries of return on assets, return on equity, and about 85 got through that screen. And, and you know, Mo and I sit here and we kind of look through them and we throw a few out on the table. So Ball Corp, ticker BLL, uh, got through our rigorous uh, screen here. United Technologies, UTX. And then, uh, and then at the back half, we're going to compare and contrast two stocks that honestly look more alike than you'd expect, or maybe you wouldn't. Apple Inc., A-A-P-L, and Coach, C-O-H. Coach, the leather guy, and Apple, the consumer technology guy. Uh, but first up, Ball Corp, B-L-L. Now, this past the screen, again, we've been doing screens here that we use in the shop. The nice thing about a screen is it's past the screen, so you're in the club. It's a good company, uh, so we're digging in a little bit. The valuation on Ball Corp. Well, wait uh, a minute. Wait a yeah. minute. Wait a minute. You know who these guys are, right? They make yeah. the they make ball jars. Of course. I didn't think uh, I didn't think people actually canned any, or jarred anything anymore. Well, so they I, do. Can so the thing to like I, about I, I, th it, I thought these were basically used as drinking glasses in barbecue joints south of the Mason-Dixon line. Well, they have a much bigger business now, as you can see, because they sell $9 billion. These guys provide... Here's, why to, here, here's the annuity in here. So right. let's say you think the back half's going to be a little bumpy. You know, we just sold some consumer discretionary in the shop just because we think, you know, you got the fiscal cliff, you got the election just flinging mud at everyone, Americans are going to all feel bad about themselves, people with money are going to hoard it. So it's... Needs, not wants. These guys make cans that hold all the stuff you need. Not a, lot of, not a lot of luxury goods are being served up in metal cans. Think of what's in a metal can. It's stuff that you need, right? right. And so look at their track record here. I'm just saying during this recession that we've supposedly had, uh, these guys, you know, yawned and, and EBITDA and EBIT just continued to go up. Uh, I can't tell you whether there were, you know, acquisitions in there. Uh, there certainly could have been, although their share count has gone largely down. They're taking free cash flow, buying stock. They're putting up uh, upper single-digit returns on assets. They lever that to a 30% return on equity, and you think, wow, that's a lot of leverage. But, um, you know, and they're 70% debt to capital, so some people might not like that. They look dead-heavy to some. But these guys probably studied, you know, the science of the perfect capital structure because when you look at the stability of their EBITDA and the probability that it goes outside the range of their fixed charge uh, expense, it's well covered. It's about 10 times. They, they never lose money, although never say never. 
And then the evaluation, nine times EBITDA, so it, it is toward the high end of its historical range, but I think it's serving a, a nice purpose during these rocky times, which is you've got a pretty certain sales flow and a very stable earnings flow, and that's what attracted me to this name. Well, you know, and um, this stock is a very accurate reflection of that. Take, take a look at the, the stock price. Um, I'm eyeballing this, yeah. but it looks to me as though this company declined half of what the market declined during the during 08. Yeah, well, just on the annual basis, it yeah. looks like. But from peak to trough, you know, 12. I mean, they were down more than 50%, so that was a scary time for everyone. And but it, when you look at them, when you look at them, from a market perspective, they didn't decline quite as much as the market. And look what they've done since then. They have outperformed the market. They've probably doubled the market performance in some yeah. way. No, they, uh, so this, clearly, this, people are saying, yeah, this is a... This index starts in 06. So since yeah. 06, they weathered the storm better, and they've done better since. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, the only other thing I could say about this is because, again, I've tried to do as little work as possible. Um, but they're fairly diversified you know, around the world. They have a little piece of aerospace, so they, they do have an exposure to growth in aerospace technology, but it's 9% of the business. Um, Wall Street analysts, again, we've talked on past shows, there's been a lot of downward revisions recently as the things slow down. These guys have had a little bit of revisions, but, you know, 4 or 5% type of range, which is, you know, fine to me. They are at the higher end of their historical you know, earnings yield range, and so I'm not thrilled about paying that, but just like the long bond trading at 1.5% uh, yield, I guess, you know, even a value guy at some point wants part of his portfolio in a harbor, and this one, that's sort of my thesis here, is uh, needs not wants at a good price, and, uh, and I like it, ball, ball, B-L-L, okay. United How are we doing on time, Mo? Do you have to be somewhere or anything? No, nowhere. This is, this is the uh, No one knows where I am. No, so I don't, I know, have to no, I don't know where I am. Yeah. We're in a secret location here. Um, all right, well, here's another one, again, in this sort of uh, weather the storm theme that I'm feeling today because, uh, you know, it's been a tough few months for all investors, but value guys' portfolios have been hidden here as well. You've got so much uncertainty ahead in the near term, it's it's not a natural thing. It's, of course, politics and, uh, and things like that. But, you know, you know it's coming. And so and, and there's going to be points in the next six months, I think, where there'll be uh, a lot of fear in the market. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of fiscal cliff discussion. And so uh, we're keeping just a little powder dry to take advantage of some price dips in here, assuming things will get fixed uh, after the election. And so with that theme in mind, United Technologies... Again, it's one of these broad-based manufacturers, and I think uh, a, a, a big-level theme here might be that U.S. manufacturing is in the ascension. Why? Well, first, college is expensive, okay? Uh, it's about 10 times more expensive than when I went, and, uh, and you know, the, the, the risk return now, um, you know, when, when Mo and I got out of college, your first year, you could earn you know, three or four or five times your last year's tuition, and now it's one times, you know, if you're lucky. So increasingly, uh, there's going to be some labor available, smart labor that doesn't have the money for college. That's one. Secondly, uh, this whole advantage to wages in China, it's sort of reached the point where 
China's letting their currency float a little bit. Chinese wages have been uh, competitively moving up. So when you decide where to make a factory, it's not a snap decision anymore, just on the pure fundamentals of the value of labor and logistics. And so uh, U.S. winning on that. Third, outsourcing, you can't even say outsourcing any, anymore. It's like the O word. You know, so again, socially, culturally, no one wants to be talking about that. That, you know, that's in the picture as well. And then fourth, energy costs in America because of fracking, we now have a global advantage in, in uh, cost of, you know, fuel, and that's drawing chemical companies here. That's going to lower the cost of energy here. And then there's going to be a growing infrastructure for manufacturing in that area that's going to be drawn here, lowering costs, and so that's advantage. So I think generally... Uh, manufacturers are going to be gaining share of GDP for a while here. United Technologies, uh, UTX, it's, uh, you know, it's a diversified manufacturer primarily across four businesses, Pratt & Whitney engines, uh, aerospace engines, Otis Elevators, manufacturing and service, carrier air conditioners, and then a broad list of other, which, you know, admittedly, I'm not too sure uh, what it is. I think they have some escalators in there as well. Well, you know, they, they have uh, Sikorsky helicopters. Helicopters, yes. But, you do. know, when, 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 you, when I first looked at that, I thought it was an odd mix, and then it occurred to me that you, you're, you're basically you're making elevators, you're making HVAC, and those are things that just continue to to expand along with building. You're in building, yeah. And uh, the other half of your company's military. So both of those are pretty pretty stable. They're yeah. not they're not a, and they're dominant players in those spaces. Uh, so they're not like highly crazily competitive. So it's a safer company and I like I like that safety because it's got a 2.8% yield. So yeah. I can look at this and sort of say, "Hmm, like their space, really like their dividend." Well, it's diversified too and I've seen other companies like this that Seem to have businesses that all you know don't on the surface look like they go together. Like uh, ITW's one that does a great job at this, and they leave the individual businesses alone to develop best practices, new technologies, new ideas, and then they bubble everything up. They charge everyone for capital, so you know these guys, and they all have their incentives to their own businesses, and yet they share the best practices and best new technologies at the top. And uh, you're not paying a lot for that right now. It's uh, eight times EBITDA. Again, to me, that means a 12.5% cash-on-cash yield. If we bought the company, we bought all the market debt, all the market uh, equity, we would earn the EBITDA, uh, which is, would, would give us about an 8% 8, 8 yield at a 12.5% uh, enterprise value EBITDA. It's just the inverse. So I like that very much. Um, it's in a range of 5 to 12. So unlike the one I just talked about, Ball, um, this one you're paying on little or on the cheap end. And, you know, that's got to be because people are pricing in a global recession near term. But I like the safety and the fact that earnings might be postponed a year or two when you have, you know, such low short-term interest rates. You're not paying a lot to have to wait a couple of years. It's still your best option uh, for total return over that period. So UTX, United Technologies, uh, well-priced, good company. I like it, Mo. And sounds like you might like it. I don't know. Well, you know, uh, I do want to ask you one question. You know, their their share count is shrinking every single year. In 2006, yeah. they had a million shares outstanding, and it's gone down to... Or a billion, mm, probably, yep, right? Yep, 989, 956, then 929, then 923. Now there's only 907. So that share base has been shrinking every single year. Is that going to a, 
an employee? Uh, or, or what? what is that, a you know, share repurchase? I don't know, but you know, my guess is they're just buying a little stock every year. They've yep. got a, a very high ROE, and one way companies maintain a high return on equity is if they don't have something great to do with the cash, um, they, they buy stock, and, you know, that, and they're, in effect, paying above book value. So that keeps this constant pressure, uh, upward good pressure, on your return in, on equity by, in effect, buying low-cost uh, you know, equity with, with high-cost uh, current value, and it, it, uh, it helps them maintain that terrific return on equity for shareholders. So that's a great use of capital. And it's been a very consistent, apparently a very consistent part of their plan. Well, even, you know, I mean, look, we've been through a rocky, rocky period, mm-hmm. and uh, I look at, you know, eight years of EBITDA margins here, and they're all within 1% of each other. Now, Sometimes it's bad to talk about, gee, is, is management managing earnings or managing this exactly right? And uh, sometimes the answer is yes, and it isn't sinister, you know, in effect, that they can decide when they make the riskier capital spending decisions and the less risky. They can decide when they invest inventory in one business versus another. So to me, this looks like a portfolio manager. The management team here is really their portfolio managers – and look at their returns that they're delivering to the shareholder. They're kind of using all these businesses in a part as levers, and they're delivering a super consistent. I mean, return on equity is within two points over an eight-year period. EBITDA margin is within, you know, two points over an eight-year period. This is just remarkable. They're doing the same thing on the gross margin line. So it, it demonstrates enormous discipline in the sales force in terms of you know how they get price and how they set expectations for price. They have a big maintenance business, too, that helps to, to provide some of the stability. Well, you, you, want to, you want to look at something that's equally eye-popping? Look at their sales. Their sales have been basically 53, 58, 53, 55. Well, they're moving 58. up really, very slowly, really. Well, it's been flat since 07. There really hasn't been that much momentum, to use the momentum Well, yeah, they're, they're just back to the old peaks. Yeah. yeah. So um, the one thing I would want to know about these guys is what percentage is their, uh, of their businesses export and what percentage is domestic. Because if you look at the uh, estimates that are coming down, they, they, some people have dropped their estimates for this year by as much as 20%. Yeah. And uh, next year, numbers look like they're down about four. Yeah. So the question is, have they fully baked in the slowdown in Europe? Uh, you know, we don't see that data here, but I'm going to guess that they, you know, a good part of particularly the building side that you talked about, you know, that's got to be international. Yep. And Pratt you do, and Whitney, yeah. Whitney, I bet, sells into Airbus, things like that. So. And you do have 17 guys that follow the company, so. Yeah. I would want to read yeah. what they had to say. Yeah. Patience on this one, I don't know that you have an edge in knowledge, but. Patience and the appreciation for risk reduction might be what drives the valuation here. So now you have a, a special situation. Yeah, yeah, we have a new segment on the show. And you you said uh, that the 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 the, the uh, idea, the yeah. link between these two was brand. Brand exactly. Right. My and my my. Did you know that doctors are recommending more brand in people's portfolios? Are they? I'm on an all brand. 23% say all, own more brand, something I'm like that. I'm on an all brand diet myself. Yeah. and it's uh, So here we bring you the first of our brand series. The brand series. It's not only good for your portfolio, but also cleans you out. Your constitution. Well, yeah. here's the thing we're looking through this screen. They all pass the screen. So every company we're talking about 
has passed the screen of being in the top 20% in its sector for return on assets, return on equity. And I think it was sort of the past three years, that sort of thing. I'm not quite sure. It was just a button on FactSet, honestly. Um, but what was surprising was how similar. So ladies and gentlemen, go look this up yourself. Coach, they provide leather goods. Ticker symbol. C-O-H, of course. Apple provides computers. So I'm thinking Coach is, they provide the best leather goods, and Apple provides the best personal technology goods, and they've got these uh, tremendous brands. Uh, they both sell, at, so here's the thing. They both are putting up, you know, in the 30s, EBIT margins. So that's what good brand companies do. People like them. Net margins in the 20s for both. Apple has the edge there. Return on equity, or let's say return on assets, both in the mid-20s. Uh, I'm sorry, Coach is higher. Coach is in the, in the 30s. Apple uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the last three years in the 20s, before that in the upper teens. So really, uh, Apple in the ascension in terms of return on assets. And then return on equity, Apple uses a little bit of leverage, 35% return on equity. Wow, Coach is using twice the leverage Apple. They're in the 50s on return on equity. And then you look at the debt. Uh, they both have no debt, basically, 1% in the case of Coach, 0 for Apple. And then cash. Uh, Coach has $4 in cash on a $52 stock. Apple, $25 in cash which, by the way, is $26 billion, but that's a, let's not talk absolute. They have $25 mil, uh, dollars in cash on a $600 stock price, so 4% of their stock price in cash. Coach, about 8% of their stock price in cash. And then on a valuation basis, both are, uh, you know, Apple's 9.9 .9 enterprise value to EBITDA, Coach, 8.8. .8. Um, price sales, Apple, 3.9. Coach, 3.2. P.E., Apple, 14.5, Coach, 14.9. I mean, Mo, everywhere I look, the market's telling me Coach and Apple, if these were fingerprints, I would think these two companies were brothers, or brother and sister, I guess. I could. All right, now let me, let, me, let me call something to your attention. I agree that when you look just at the valuation, they look like they're, they're very similar. But in the, uh, in the last five years... Apple stock is up 60%. Coach is up 15%. So listen, listen to the, the, the way these two companies have diverged in the last couple of years. In 2009, both Coach and Apple were up over 80%. Apple was up actually 150%. In 2010, they were both up 50. Last year, Coach was up 10. Apple was up 25. This year, Coach is down 14. Apple is up. 52. So Apple has happier uh, shareholders. Well, and employees. The, well, what's interesting is that I mean the coach is undervalued, or does it mean that Apple's overvalued, or is there that big of a difference between well, these two uh, companies that there should have, be that big divergence of price? I think action? it's so interesting. You know, it may be that the last couple of years, of course, Apple's had hit after hit uh, between the, you know, uh, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the new iPhone's the about iPod, to come out. The iPhone, the iPad. I mean, it's a right. boom, boom, boom. And then each new iPad and iPhone selling, you know, multiples of the prior. Um, and so you see that 
that's helped them. They've been in the ascension on return on assets. Coach, on the other hand, they've been cranking out this return on assets consistently for a long time. And so, again, they find themselves at the same valuation different ways. Apple's been in the ascension for 10 years uh, and now at the peak of their game. Last big products all coming in. Coach kind of weathering a consumer storm here. They're kind of, you know, in it mixing it up with leather goods. Uh, no big hits or whatever, but they're turning in the same numbers. So I'm not, where I come out a little bit, Mo, is I start thinking in Coach, who has the sustainable competitive edge? Who's the one that you could be more sure will endure, I guess, in some way? And I came away thinking that Apple, certainly um, they're in the driver's seat, but the chances that they can keep their, you know, this multiple they have is including all these expectations for all these hits that they've had in a row. Coach is just cranking it out, boom, boom, and yet they're valued the same. I think I come out thinking Coach may actually have a more sustainable edge, that they can own their position in leather with more confidence into the future than Apple can confidently own, you know, cool personal tech, that that's a more slippery slope. That's when, and, you know, if you're, if you're looking at yield on these two stocks, Apple's got a 1.7% yield, and, and uh, this has got a 2.3% dividend yield. So if you think that there's less downside risk in the stock because it's not a high flyer, uh, and uh, you're looking for a higher degree of safety with a with a decent with a decent yield on it. Yeah, that, that that's kind of that's kind of attractive. Price action this year, you know, down 14 percent would at least it's an eye opener. I'd at least you know do a little checking on that. But yeah, I really like the story. Um, I would uh, I'd definitely look at it if I could get comfortable with what was going on this year. I mean, my I end up thinking you know you have Steve Jobs. Obviously, he'll be a legend for all time. Um, but can Apple, what's the chance that Apple loses its cool factor versus Coach losing its cool factor? It's just an interesting, uh, I mean, it's, you, you can't know. But, um, but you can run statistical algorithms on them, which you probably have done with the quant guys in your shop. Well, you know, even then, it's like what will Apple invent versus what can Coach Invent you and can't you can't Monte Carlo we those. can't we can't model that I guess we're just what I'm thinking is that Apple the chances of them putting something out that doesn't meet expectations is higher than Coach because Coach has a very broad product line they don't just put out one new bag every year they put out a hundred new bags different colors shapes etc but it's all best leather they just try to own best leather, and then everything else is sort of, you know, they, they throw a lot of stuff at the wall to see what works. Apple puts all its fruit in one fruit, you know what I mean? And if they make no a mistake... No pun intended, I like that. No, If yeah. they make a mistake, so I don't know, it's just, it's an interesting uh, compare-contrast. That's why I made it a, thought we'd have a new segment on that. And so. both chock full of brand. Yeah, brand, brand, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. All right, well, uh, this is the part of the show where uh, I guess we should tell you our favorite. We don't always do that, but do you have a favorite today, Mo? Do you have a favorite? I think I do. I think I do have a favorite. And uh, I think I'm going to reveal that right now, and it's going to be 
Ball Corp. B L L. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I like the safety and the uh, needs, not wants. Well, I was going to choose that because I like the performance. You know, they had a weak 2011. The stock was up 15% in 2012. So that, that tells me that there's a the nice pickup there and, and what people are looking at. Um, everybody's cutting their numbers for next year, but not so much for these guys, which sort of goes back to my initial description of them, which was you know, half the downside exposure and uh, meaningfully better performance on the upside. So it's a safe stock with a 1% yield. So that's why I would have chosen it. Are you going to still choose it, or are you going to move along? Just because you've chosen it, I can't choose it either. No, no, no. Well, we that's, can I only think... choose one, right? Yeah. I mean, I... we should help. The, maybe the listener would like, what's your second favorite then? Because I'll tell my second favorite. Maybe those cancel. Apple. Apple. You got to love this stuff. <laughs> I would go coach. You would go coach. I yeah. thought you would. Yeah. Even though I have every Apple, I own an Apple two. From 1978. I, I saw have. that on your memorabilia yeah. shelf. Well, yeah. I keep it there next to my uh, my Walk- Sony Walkman. Nice Walkman. Yeah, yeah. you got to have all this stuff. I have a Sony. I have an FM radio from the 60s. Um, Do you know what I bet you don't I have, have? Do you know yeah. what I bet you don't have? Do you have a floppy disk? Yeah, of course. You do? Of course. I oh. have a Victrola, actually. Ah. Uh, yeah, I have rocks they used to hit to make sounds. That's what I... My whole that sound goes, museum. That goes back a ways. Anyway, um, okay, so we've got a couple favorites. The first favorite ball, and we had the second favorite as well. Um, okay, well, this is the part of the show where we do uh, paging through national economic trends. <clears throat> but since we haven't been able to print it out, we're yeah. just going to make stuff up. Yeah, so uh, and, unfortunately uh, we don't. You won't know the difference. <laughs> no. So let's just start with non-farm payrolls. What do you think of that? You know... Up or down? I, Just I let's think, keep it real brief. <laughs> well, broadly speaking, I think economically, uh, economic conversations are going to be, you know, very uh, polarized here in the second half of 2012 as we move toward the election. So, but the theme, weakest recovery of all time, you know, okay, it deserves that. You know, slowest job take up and things like that. I think that they're. You certainly can lay the blame on uh, on some policies where if you raise taxes on workers, you're going to get more workers. If you cut federal spending, you're going to get, or rather, if you if you raise taxes, you're going to get fewer workers. If you cut federal spending, you're going to get fewer workers. So we're in a oh, place. For a second there, I thought you had switched parties. No, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're we're in a little bit of trouble just based on the fact that we got a little heady with uh, you know people buying real estate with with easy money and it it was going on for a decade it's going to take a while to work out Um, but I do think that near term this fiscal cliff is going to be creating a lot of uncertainty so um, I I think that the broadly employment is ticking up the numbers aren't what you'd hope but we don't seem to be heading toward a recession Europe may be Um, but I think basically each year we're paying off a little bit of these excesses that were caused by banks loaning money, you know, too easily. And we're working our way through that. And we're probably, you know, two or three years away from that. Whichever party gets reelected, it's just going to take a little time to work through. Um, And so I think we're continuing on that path, despite all the noise of Europe and near-term housing and things like that, which looks like it's getting a little better, Europe getting a little worse. But I think generally we're uh, slowly improving. That's So have you done any work on the... Fiscal cliff. 
Have you looked at it? Have you modeled well, it? Well, I've looked at it. We've modeled. I mean, it's binary. Morgan Stanley it, had a report out last week, and uh, they said that their estimate is that the the cliff itself mild mild deep four thousand eight hundred feet four thousand right so, so a little shy of the Grand Canyon they are cliff. they've modeled it then they are they're looking at it in a you know three dimensional. They've got uh -huh. the they've got that computer power over there. They do, and they have all those cheap analysts. Uh, no, I you know we're going to get a lot of rhetoric. It's built in. They're not going to figure out this fiscal cliff thing until sometime between the election and uh, the you know the, the president coming in in January twentieth. We could take all the politicians and just pile them up at the bottom of the fiscal cliff. So when we go over the edge, we have something soft and dumb to land on. Um, well, I don't think they always take into account the way they're, you know, pushing around the, the financial markets. But we, we can predict that. So they're going to do the, the, the wrong thing, and they're going to let this thing go to the last minute because it offers a campaign slogan, and, and you just got to prepare for that. We, we've kept, uh, we're supposed to be, you know, 100% invested, but we have a little leeway. Right now we're on the, I don't like to market time because you never know what's going to happen in the market, but we do know what's going to happen in Congress which is nothing. And so we're a little bit on the cash-heavy side right now, waiting for opportunities to, uh, to, get, to get some cheap stocks. Well, if, you're, if you really believe that, then, then you probably have to believe that the second half of recovery is going to be anemic because I do. who's going who's gonna, to, in that, in that high of an uncertainty environment, who's going to move forward with any capital spending? Yeah, no, I jump? think so. I think that you've got a lot of reasons to postpone spending if you're a business because we know the taxes are going to be higher next year so every dollar of expense is worth more next year you're going to push expenses out push income in um, it's going to cause everyone to just wait in lot in any discretionary business expense will wait until next year and uh, other people will wait to see if we're going to do something on on taxes before they commit capital to a new you know, new facility and things like that. So, yeah, I agree, Mo. A lot of waiting around right now. Well, you're going on vacation next week? Uh, I think so. Yeah, we're going to take some time off. And so are we. Hit the surf, you know, that that kind of thing. What about you? Well, we, I'm just wondering if we're going to be able to do a remote control show. We may not be able to. I don't know. We, uh, we could I try be, something. I might be so remote that I might not be reachable. Well, we could try something to hook it in. Otherwise, uh, I'd certainly encourage listeners to uh, go back and listen to past shows. I know, for speaking for myself, I used to be a lot smarter than I am now, so the old shows might actually be better, really, in wow, many cases. Wow, I, I guess that means yeah. that we're technically in the rerun. <laughs> we're in the rerun. Well, it's summer. Summer yeah. vacation. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, uh, anyway, thanks for listening in, everyone, to another uh, Value Guys Stock Talk show. Um, this has been uh, a meandering show uh, going through the DuPont uh, formula in terms of our screening criteria. See all our caveats, disclosures, photos our moms took, links to past shows at www.thevalueguys.com. And, uh, and have a great summer. Yeah, good day, everybody. See you soon. Bye.